what kind of black sorcery you have to do to pull that off well is like I'm I feel like I I feel like the UN should be after me at this point we- for some <laughs> of the things I did with that stuff. <laughs> And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck just a little bit less each and every day from the brink of sanity. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And recording live from the basement of the Ivory Tower, my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 115 for September 22nd, 2023. So I've got some some news bits that we can that we can start with that I, I that are that are kind of fun. So the first one that's making the is rounds. It's the iPhone, right? It's the, everybody's excited about the new iPhone, clearly. I mean, that, isn't that like a headline, I don't know, every week? Uh, it's like, so I'm just stupid. so glad I, st- I'm just glad they stopped doing the film of the, of the, the stupid lines outside the Apple stores. Remember they were doing oh. that for, for several generations. It, I mean, it was a huge yeah. deal for the first one and I, okay, I get it. It's newsworthy, but yeah. then they were doing it for. Yeah. Oh, look at the line for the iPhone six. Like, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your stupid line anymore. No, uh, it is not about the new iPhone. Uh, is there a new iPhone? But I, it's so it's so new and innovative, a, Frank. Okay, how right, could you? Just, how could we not talk about it? All right, you're totally debating me. All right, I'm just ignoring you. <laughs> uh, the one piece of news that I think everyone else is talking about, aside from the new iPhone, is the fact that Cisco just bought Splunk for twenty eight. Billion with a B, billion in cash. Only the twenty-eight billion, though. Just the twenty-eight billion. <laughs> it's an all-cash deal. All really? cash combination I cash and had, debt. Twenty-eight billion. They're acquiring this. Splunk. Big, big doings inside of the yeah. cybersecurity DevOps infrastructure space. Um, and I, I mean. It's just, it's just so astronomically big. <laughs> it's really the the thing. It, you know, the fact that it's it's being bought really doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Um, no, I, I mean, there's there are very very few startups in the last what two decades that aren't explicitly angling for an exit. And I yeah, now twenty eight billion all cash. That's I mean, that's a little, that's a bit much. Yeah, it's, it, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's a huge, it's, it is. Um, yeah, but it says though, it says that it's going to self-perpetuate the VC cycle right? well, because there are, there are a couple of folks that just put a lot of money in their pocket and now they're going to be looking to do TED talks and invest in, in new I Lomo. So ideas that can change the world through. <laughs> yeah. Re, you know, we'll, we'll revolutionize whatever. No, uh, Splunk is actually already, they already IPO. They were public, so this is actually this is this is buying them them out. This is buying all the shares and and basically liquidating them out and putting them under the Cisco. Yeah, umbrella. and and the owners and and the owners yeah, the of stock, that stock the, are going to make yeah. out fairly handsomely. Yeah, a hundred and fifty seven dollars a share is what they're going to pay, which is pretty uh, pretty wild. About, which is yeah, I would say. I mean, just looking at the chart, one fifty. You said they're buying it out at one fifty-seven. Ah, that's that's a premium over what it's been doing in the market, which is why the shares ended uh, two years now. Which is why the shares are up twenty-one percent. Yeah, <laughs> who who would sell the shares at this point? <laughs> like, just just sit on them. Um, Anyway, uh, the, this this stuck out to me. I, I I don't have any insight insider knowledge to it uh, to to share. Uh, the SEC forces you to say yeah, that. Of I course, get it. yeah, it's right. Yes, I'm just <laughs> so bound up in all this this dirt that I've got piled up here. It's Cisco's largest acquisition ever, which I mean is saying something. It's this is Cisco. This is not a you know this is not a small operation no. that is buying it. Um, this is a they they classified it as a cybersecurity. They classify in the headlines, they classify Splunk as a cybersecurity company. It is cybersecurity 
ish. Because it's money. Because it's all finance bros, dude. Yeah. I, I paint re, repainting my office could be a cybersecurity initiative <laughs> if it unlocks more dollars for me to go and waste in the market. I mean, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, really, what they do is they ingest logs, and then you can run filters on the logs to pull out relevant things and send alerts. Yeah. I mean, the formula is actually pretty straightforward. Uh, they yeah. just have a heck of a, a setup on it. Just have a, they get a nice user interface. I mean, you know. Yeah, and and a yeah, and a massive uh, you know, user interface, and you know, just massive uh, profit margin. You know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned uh, the uh, the company that um, was doing a had a, a Splunk subscription to the tune of fifty like to 60 middle eight million figures. dollars, and then to 60 and then what dollars a, a year a week yeah. later it came out that Coinbase was paying Datadog seventy million a, yeah. a year or something too. It, like these, as, some of these contracts are just absurd. They're they're just they they are they are insane. I think that and that to me is re- really sticks out here, um, because I don't think I mean Splunk's a good product. This is not a. I don't see this as a super big. Maybe maybe I'm too close. Maybe it's, maybe I might be wearing my technician hat a little too tight here because part of me says I could build a Splunk. Now I can't there is build no t- Splunk. This conversa- there is no tin foil too thick for this conversation, my friend. <laughs> Let's come on. So part of you know, okay, tongue in cheek, I could build Splunk. What do I actually mean by that? The baseline formula of what Splunk is actually doing is very, very simple and very straightforward. Collect logs, look at logs, issue alerts based on the logs that you're seeing. It's all in the execution. And I'm not saying the company isn't worth it, but this problem to me feels, I was having this conversation in a a Slack group I have with a bunch of uh, professionals I've worked with in the past. And... They all agree Splunk's interface is amazing and no one else can do it the way they do. They are the best one in that business. But my my contribution to that conversation was the functionality that Splunk is doing, this this collection log collection data aggregation and then, you know, spitting out result from logs, this is gonna get commoditized. I, I you know. Prediction, you heard it here first. I think that the Splunks of the world are going to steadily move into a space where it is a, uh, it's sort of a baseline functionality that you can get from a variety of sources. You know, there will be the hosted versions and the standalone versions, and there'll be an open source option. And it already has. It already has been. That's all it takes is a little elbow grease. Yeah, yeah, I but get, it's moving. I get I'm saying wanna... it's moving in that direction. I don't think. My point is, but it has been for five years. Like that's not new. I'm I'm saying you're right. I'm saying it's just it's it's you're like I'm saying you're right. It and and you're actually like late. Like that has already happened. Yeah, but a twenty eight billion dollar acquisition of the biggest player would not, to me, imply commoditization. That 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 because because everything Oracle does is smart. Uh, well, this is Cisco, but because uh, everything Cisco does is smart, because <laughs> everything Sun did was smart. That's my point. Like, speaking, okay, because because IBM did it, it's smart. It's I, well, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you could lean on the no one ever got fired for hiring IBM, you know, sort of tagline. And yeah, that might be true, but I'm I'm looking at this more, uh, you know, magic eye fuzzing my eyes and, you know, like turning sideways. To me, it just speaks to a market that still sees this as, as wizardry when, when in fact, I, I, you know, I think a lot of it is first mover advantage. I think that there's, I think there's more first mover advantage than there is uh, as actual wizardry here. And I think that this will just become, I I don't know if they'll see the payout. Like, I don't know if they'll actually see. So, oh, Give me the bell. Oh, okay. All right. He wants the bell. We're, we're going to fight. You just, you're in one of those moves. We're going to fight. Well, okay. The last part, I'm not sure they're going to see the payout. Almost assuredly, they won't. I, I don't <laughs> think they're going to make money on this deal, right? Okay. Um, the multiples would have to be ridiculous in order for that to be the case. Articles say they make $4 billion a year in revenue is what they're projecting. $4 billion a year in revenue $4 from billion this a year. deal. Based on today's market. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to take them seven print. years mm-hmm. without additional competition in the market to break or with it, even. 
Yeah, uh, and you can think about inflation. You can think about cost changes. Sure, like yes, that's it. Okay, that's that's yeah. the that's the asterisk on that number. Yeah, I'm just simply so saying they bought they, it at a seven times multiplier. That's that's on times. the high side for a mm-hmm. service and not a product. That's on the high side, frankly. Well, it's a product. Chrisley. Chrisley. Well, yeah, okay, it's a product. It's, but it's definitely a product. Logging as a service. Uh, okay, we'll we'll fight about that later. What I really want to fight about is the the contention that it's mad. No, it's not magic. It's just convenience. It's just turnkey. It's out of the box. I don't have to think about it. My engineers aren't that aren't that skilled. My developers aren't that smart. My operators aren't that savvy. If I need to do this myself, it's going to take me three years. My business needs insights to run next month, and I don't know how outside. Uh, absent outside help, I can actually deploy this kind of capability in my, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like kind of a mid range crappy CIO here that doesn't have a good team, doesn't know what they're doing as their ass in the, in the sand, right? Or their, their ass up their head or in the hole in the ground, whatever the saying is. I don't know. There's, I'm mixing metaphors here. They have a, a sandy ass in their head and this is turnkey. It's not wizardry, right? It's nothing's magical about what they're doing, right? And in fact, some of it, some of where they apply the quote intelligence, I think is a little bit wrongheaded, but they just got bought for $28 billion. So what do I know? But it's not nobody. I don't think anybody's like starry eyed with what they do. It's just easy to turn it on. Well, because I, I think you're right. Back to your back to your point with your 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 technician hat. Let's let's be generous, right? Let's let's really let's really just pretend for a moment. This is a creative exercise. Mm-hmm. With I, I almost eat, let's say you're a Coinbase. You're generating terabytes of data per day. Let's just say. Okay. On the outside, like, could I replace a Splunk or a Datadog for a company like Coinbase uh, given six months and $5 million? Probably. Right? I'm at least in the ballpark, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's nine months, maybe it's 10 million, maybe it's three million in four months, but like, I'm in the right ballpark there with my estimate of what it would take with engineers on the ground to bring up something that could aggregate and sift through log data in a short order. And yet these companies are paying 10 times that on an annualized basis just to have the turnkey. Yeah. At at some point I get like, that's not your core mission. You don't want to distract. I just, I don't, I guess I don't understand where the material value prop outside of just accelerating something or you don't trust your team. I've got bigger fish to fry if that's the case. But these companies, they don't accept risk transference. That's the only thing that would make me think at that scale of business, right? A book of business that's, you know, middle eight figures. It would seem to me that for what they do, there would have to be some risk transference in order to really justify those kinds of, of fees, doesn't it? Mm. So uh, a couple things about what you said there. You, you, know, you, you sort of tongue-in-cheek pinned it to, you know, middle-tier CIO type of role, but I mean, this is big in the federal government. I mean, this is big in Fortune 500. Like, it's not a, <laughs> what? Well, it's not. It's because not the a, federal government. They have the best CIOs ever. Not suggested. <laughs> of course not. I'm just simply saying the product, the 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 audience, and the and the 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 target is not purely those players. And in fact, the price points generally lean it towards the higher end. Um, because it is so, the licenses are so expensive and it's actually not that easy to set up. Uh, if you do a search for, you know, Splunk implementation services, first of all, Splunk has the, oh, it takes own, some doing, it takes it a takes lot of doing. doing. It's, it's actually, yeah. it's actually a lot of work to, particularly to when up. you've got a heterogeneous infrastructure, which most companies do, you've got a mixture of physical, virtual machines, containerized workloads, clouds. I mean, it, it takes, it to, takes work to really it, wire this up. It, well, not just yeah. wire it, but tuning it so that you're actually getting proper signal through all the noise and you're not inundating well, but your team that, with alert fatigue. Okay. A legitimate question. Isn't that part of what they're supposed to be doing? You send them the fire hose and then they learn over a period of time and tell you what's relevant. Isn't I mean, that, in, in part, but like I, I mean, thought you that still was have part to, of their shtick. Well, you're still applying. I, I'm sure there is the, you know, the, 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 you know, insert AI collect Maserati. There's, there's certainly some of that. <laughs> there's certainly some of that. Uh, they don't have, they don't have bit, uh, they don't have, um, blockchain as far as i know but they, blockchain. Def- but they definitely insert ai 
And I know oh my that's God. part of it. But Frank, what? We could, okay, we could totally clown on Cisco. They mm. just bought this company. We could invalidate it overnight. We put your logs on a blockchain. Oh my God. Why has nobody done this before? <laughs> okay, we have, to, we have to shred this recording and go build that. Service. <laughs> <laughs> store hold on logs on blockchain, blockchain. I, I, so many i'm checking this. my I'm, I'm checking my bank account right now <laughs> log chain blog chain assisted log storage are you kidding me <laughs> get the censored out of here are you kidding me it's a well this no. is a white paper let's see this is a white paper so i'm looking to see if there's actually a service Blockchain-based framework for secure log storage. Uh, this is not, yeah, we're, we're not new. We're not new. Leveraging <laughs> blockchain for immutable logging and querying. You know what, we, you know what would actually probably. Be? I hate life. I hate life, <laughs> the universe and everything. It's kind of blockchain is kind of like, it's kind of like domain name acquisition at this point. Everyone's just trying to find words to dash, to hyphenate with blockchain to sell business ideas. And if your word hasn't well, been chosen yet. Yeah, it's, it's what the family always does, though. You know, it's it's the eBay for blank. It's the Uber right. of fill in the blank. You know, it's 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 blockchain for your shaving cream. It's it's I was so just as a nerd, I was so pissed. I remain. In fact, I retain my anger an embittered anger for PepsiCo because it was uh, God, it had to be oh my God. It had to be five or ten years ago. Got to play that. They maybe it wasn't ten years ago. That's that's a little much. But it was a f many years ago now that PepsiCo announced, "Oh, blockchain is revolutionizing our supply chain." And I mm, thought, mm -hmm. and I'll drop a you know a link in the in the notes here. But I thought, well, that sounds stupid. And then you dig into a little bit of the details, and you know what they were using blockchain to revolutionize their supply chain for for their digital ad platform. <laughs> and it wasn't even clear what the value proposition was for this. I was like, what? And it, but then they're just shameless. Oh, revolution, our supply chain. Because if you think about what revolutionizing the supply chain means for a Okay, they're not a beverage company. It's a logistics company, if you think about it. You think True. about what it would mean to revolutionize their supply chain if they could make back half a percent on something. That would be an, an, that would be an incredible amount of... of Pardon me, savings. But no, it was mm. for their digital ads. Sales bros doing sales bro stuff, and I'm still mad about it. That's my <laughs> rant for the day. Um, all right, so running it back here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Splunk, it, it, there, there, is, I, I, there, there is implementation meat to it. Uh, it's complex, yeah. but, but to me, my experience with it has been always been ancillary. I've never been the one adminning it. I've worked for companies who do it. And so like I've been sort of on the periphery of it. Um, the general feedback that I hear from the the actual workers on it is that you've got to tune it. If you don't tune it, you get a ton of noise and it's it's not as helpful. Uh, it takes work to tune it. Yeah. And so that you get something useful. It'll ingest literally everything. And if you're not careful, it'll spit back out alerts on everything. Uh, and you really need somebody dedicated to to managing that platform entirely. Depending on the size and of your are, store. Yeah, you need and a there dedicated are entire person. consultant services that have sprung up around just right. managing Splunk. So it's it's yeah. that kind of a that it's that kind of a big cumbersome. Beast. And you know what the funny thing is that uh, I've seen I've seen teams deploy Datadog, deploy Splunk, and you know what the funny thing is they really require somebody that knows the infrastructure and the applications, and half the time, well, that's that's not a person. Well, that's where yeah, I think you, a lot of this, that, <laughs> right? And I like think the, the irony the irony of the company buying it to gain insight into their application when what they really needed to do was learn how the damn thing works, at, like at the basic level, <laughs> right? I think well, that's where this this really breaks down because you know, you're applying this tool to you know manage all of your logs, but it has no innate cognizance, awareness, understanding of your business and how you work, and that is really important when you're when you're utilizing these kinds of tools because you need to run alerts on things that are actually important. And a thing, the same kind of alert to one business could look could be super important. And then that exact same alert in a different company, even yeah, a similar yeah. context, different company, 
is going to be worthless. It's going to be noise. And that's where it, that's why the tuning is so hard. And that's why I think a lot of this falls down. I think that, you know, there are, and because, I mean, the price point is prohibitive for a lot of companies. You know, there's a reason that you start with something simpler. Yeah. You know, you start with your elk stacks and, and things like that. Prometheus, um, Grafana, and Loki. Uh, yeah. A couple of S3 buckets, and you will solve most of your issues. Because most of what you care about are the basics. By the time you get into the really nuanced stuff, I, it, yeah, so, it doesn't come up that often, and and it's it's less useful. Yeah, so but, I think that... I, I think that the big draw for Splunk is not actually from the the daily practitioners. I don't think it's from the individual contributors. I think it's from the risk managers. I think it's from the executives. I think it's from people who can say, uh, who who want to say, we're using Splunk to other people who might care, whether that be regulators or large, large customers you know, NGOs. So, so, so back to my things. thesis, essentially your argument is that it is, is that the selling point is a risk transference. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I actually think it, I think it is the risk transference. I was thinking more, I was thinking more in a corporate legal sense. You're thinking more in like a personal, uh, uh, professional job security <laughs> I mean, could, sense, but no, but it yeah, could, no, it's, it essentially comes too. back to risk. Yeah. No. And I'm, I'm thinking even in a, in a legal sense, we're using Splunk. We have all these logs. We know everything. We can backtrace anything at any time. Think about how that kind of note plays when you're going after, say, cybersecurity insurance. You know, yeah. like having, you need that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, but I think that this is, it is on the commodity train. I think we're going to get there sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I think that Splunk's, importance is is overblown if you have a if you have a team that has a pretty deep innate understanding of their of your stuff and and how it works and what's important and what's not you don't need a tool like this and you can tune your logging yeah. effectively to avoid having to uh utilize something like this but, but still it's I a giant sale it was a massive sale especially from an ipo yeah. it was already a public company you know, big public company buying another big company. You know, it was it was newsworthy. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Um, other, there were two other news things that uh, it is. Went, it is, but but to stay there, isn't isn't it yeah, funny sure. though? Because you, because you're right. These implementations they do take a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of manual intervention and a lot of tuning. Isn't it funny though if you think about that being the hard part of it all, right? Because you can you can go and subscribe to Datadog, right? And you can yeah. go and and deploy a Grafana server, right? That's not the hard part. The hard part is actually like implementing and configuring. And maintaining. Isn't it funny though, funny though, that if you're going to deploy like uh, Grafana and Loki and Prometheus or like an Elk stack, the hard part is implementation. If you're going to go and buy Datadog or Splunk, the hard part is implementation. In the former case, you have to go through and specifically configure dashboards and alerts for all of the things you care about. Mm -hmm. And in the latter case, you have to go through and squelch all of the things you don't care about before either tool becomes useful. Mm -hmm. So I would wonder if at some point, like, it would be interesting to me to go through like a rigorous, uh, like, like a, like a dispassionate analysis of exactly in which scenarios we thought one would be the, the cheaper option overall. Mm-hmm. Because in both cases, essentially, you're, you're, I mean, you've got to touch everything. The deployments are similar. The configuration is similar. The upgrades are similar, right? A lot of similar pathings there. Um, I think it would depend on scope and scale, really. Like, do you want to have to, do you want to manually set up all the things you care about? Or do you want to have to shut up a bunch of stuff that you don't? I think really cares. It really depends on like what your signal to noise is in the underlying data. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Right. I, uh, if yeah, that were if that were the only differentiator between the two, and obviously that's not not the case. Yeah, and I, I think th this to me speaks to the broad. It actually speaks to the broader issue that we talked about uh, a little bit last week. You mentioned how with in cybersecurity, like everything starts as a log, and Splunk is yeah. like the quintessential example of a company capitalizing on that reality and just mm -hmm. leaning super hard into that. And yeah. You know, just grabbing all these logs and Splunk doesn't really, on a certain level, Splunk doesn't really care 
what you do with it. They only, as soon as you have, as soon as they have your logs, as soon as that ingestion is set up, they've got you. And so it would not surprise me to find out, similar to the way AWS has no incentive to actually give you tools to see your usage and estimate it. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So similar to that, I don't, I would not surprise me to find out that Splunk has similarly lessened its focus on the tuning side. Maybe tuning is actually hard because they don't really care. They're not really focused on that. They're really focused on getting, ingesting logs. The more I can get your logs ingested into my system, the more locked into me you now, become. Now there's some tinfoil. There's a there's some tinfoil. Uh, them I mean, them deploying like them deploying dark patterns to make it more difficult to really get the insights. Oh, uh, I definitely. So I mean, that's a that's not a bridge that I'm willing. To, uh, that might be a bridge too far. That I'm I'm not, I'm not willing to make that assumption. But what I am suggesting is rather than as opposed to them being actually nefariously, yeah. Um, against you know throw actively throwing up roadblocks it's just a matter of prioritization you know the focus the yeah, money the uh, effort is all but on the uh, ingestion uh, you get into an argument about like okay with a for-profit corporation what's the difference what's between the ignoring sure. something and actively discouraging it and yeah blah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah i mean you, you know that's philosophical, be interesting, philosophical but, gray area sure um, but you know that i i don't i don't it's you know splunk has clearly leaned into the into the usage of the, of the, of the logs. Uh, and that led to a, an interesting conversation I had with, um, with my, my colleagues, uh, about just the nature of the logs generally. And the fact that, you know, the reason that Splunk is so, is so expensive and so successful is just because of log volume. You know, we, yeah. we, we lean on, yeah. you know, if, if everything is logs, then now give me all the logs you have. And do all the things with all the logs all the time. And so now we've just, we just, we create logs out of everything. How many many production systems, how many production systems have you seen in your career where there is a configuration value somewhere that determines the log output verbosity? And in how many of those cases is, is it debug in Mm -hmm. prod? So this right? and why be, is that? Yeah. Because we throw up because we wind up serving the policies rather than the other way around. Right. Because it takes time, and especially you're in you're in security. I'm in healthcare. We're both in regulated industries. Uh, the the what it takes it takes change approval to go in and and flip that bit. So if something goes wrong in production, everybody freaks out. We turn on the debug logs. Now the the issue is resolved. We got all the information we need. Everybody's on to the next thing everybody's got a job to do are we really going to create another change control to revert that log what if it happens again tomorrow let's leave it run we'll just, just in case the, we have to come back and, before you let know it everything's run. running in debug right how many times have you seen yeah, this it's, well it's it, it, that, that and like is, each individual actor is acting rationally and yet the end result is just insane <laughs> the it, it's been interesting you know when we got started <laughs> disk space was still a concern. It's it's still a concern today, but far far less than it used to be. And it was a concern so much that you had to really think about your logging and what yeah. happened with them because you could and I and I have I have filled a drive with giant ass log files. We had a system go down a few months ago. The, uh, a secondary system went down because it couldn't connect to something because that something was dependent upon a third-party system. The third-party system went down because we had filled the primary OS drive with a log. <laughs> that kind of stuff happens all the time. Like it's, you, can be, you can be a great team doing great work and still make a simple mistake like that, and it, it comes back to bite you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think that I think that the... Part of the reason that that Splunk is successful is because of just that that sheer this this maniacal gluttonous consumption of of logs that we have that yeah. we have started doing. And I was on I was in the very small minority on this one. Like the rest of my team was pushing back. I mean, no way. Store all the logs. Keep them all. Let grep short, sort them out. You know, they they just wanted to you know keep everything because then you better have it and not need it and need it and all that kind of stuff. Somebody actually brought up the, um, brought up a story of, uh, well, there was this one company this one time where they, you know, they had a breach 
and they didn't have any logs to backtrace it because the logs had already expired. So he was actually making an argument against even logs expiring. So now we're just not only are we going to create logs at an alarming rate, we're we're steadily pushing out the horizon line for when these things expire out to for for some companies, I'm sure it's out to infinity. They don't get rid of anything. Most companies How about the liability have that the logs that. represent. Well, yeah, but they're, they're right. All- so, so I have I keep lo- I keep debug logs of everything in prod right for forty eight months, and then I get popped in forty eight months worth of of transaction activity winds up sure. escaping my bound my my perimeter right. Yeah. I mean, there's it's not. I mean, it's a little bit of a facetious argument, but still, it is no, it is true. not. This is a perfect example of where there are no solutions. There are only trade offs. When you turn on that log or you increase that verbosity, it's not purely a net win in all cases ubiquitously like there's Mm -hmm. thought that has to occur when you make that decision yeah exactly and so it's it's become this is i mean i should have probably uh passed myself a passed myself a drink earlier the because i mean this is totally uh ancillary to the uh excuse me so the spunk discussion but it's it is the core of like why Splunk is successful is just this gluttonous ingestion of logs is what makes them so successful. If you don't have that, you know, these companies don't have that kind of crazy, ridiculous valuations. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's that. 28 that's, bill though. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Good I, for, good say, for them. say what you want, but good for them here. Here's here. The, okay. Last thing about this. And then a couple other news things. Um, the CEO of Splunk. Where did I see this? The CEO of Splunk just bought Rhode Island? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the CEO of Splunk apparently joined the company like a year ago. He was, he like, he just joined. Here it is. Splunk CEO Gary Steele, who will join Cisco's executive team if the deal closes. Blah, blah, blah. Joined Spunk a little over a year ago. Prior to that, he was the CEO of Proofpoint. So what are the chances? Was Proofpoint acquired? I think Proofpoint was acquired. I want to check this now because this might be like an acquisition uh, acquired by... It was acquired by uh, a private equity firm in 2021. And so I'd have to look to see when this guy was was in there, but this guy could just be one of these CEO sales facilitators. And so he came in, did this giant deal, and he has just like, you know, came in to do the deal. Yeah. Came in to do the deal. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting too. Just an interesting tidbit. Uh, all right, switching gears on the complete opposite end of the giant, uh, going down to the to the much. Uh, the much smaller. There have been some really cool announcements in my uh, from my favorite company, Thirty Seven Signals, the Ruby on Rails guys. Oh God, what now? DHH, David Heinemer Hansen. No, good stuff. Good stuff. So um, I am uh, getting back on my Hotwire Evangelist soapbox. They re- finally released the third part of the uh, Turbo or Hotwire trifecta Strata, mm-hmm. which is a uh, it's a toolkit to interact, to make your web uh, website, web-based uh, properties interact with the native components on mobile platforms. And so same idea, instead of having to write you know, with the websites, oh, you don't write a lick of JavaScript. On the mobile side, the vast majority of your app continues to live as a web property. And then we have this translation library that converts mobile components into web native components in a fairly seamless way. So you don't have to go through the whole exercise of completely rewriting your application from scratch for these mobile applications. So Strata was announced when Hotwire was released. It just was officially formally released, I think earlier this week or last week, Uh, September 19th. It was just this week. So if you do any kind of mobile development, this is pretty cool looking stuff. Same idea. Avoid writing JavaScript, avoid writing native stuff. Like use use a helper library to sort of handle that for you and you get a fairly good looking mobile 
native experience I, without having to do a whole app from scratch. It's pretty cool. I am going to go ahead and not hold my breath on that piece of it. Hotwired sounds cool and uh, not not Strata. What was their other? Uh, stimulus. Uh, turbo, stimulus, right? Turbo um, and stimulus, stimulus are the two pieces. Yeah, that sounds cool. And I've I've not I've not done a I've not done a new site since we talked about this, so I haven't played with it myself. Um, but this piece, so I I'll, have, I'll, I'm not holding my breath because we there have been a thousand of these, right? Uh, all all making the same claims, and all doing sixty percent of the job half well uh, before dying out or getting rebranded or being bought or mothballed. So I. The other stuff I'm excited for. This one, I, I'm openly skeptical. So I'm not a I'm not a mobile developer, so I I can't and I haven't touched it yet, so I can't really speak to it. Um, but given the um, I have actually been playing with Hotwire on a side project, uh, pretty deeply, both Turbo and Stimulus, and that's really cool. Like you basically Is it really get tight? For, yes for for basically. You build applications in the traditional request response way, throw out, you know, React, React Redux, throw out Vue.js, like just dump that component entirely. You add this library in and out of the box, you get the app is, I'll say 90% single page app experience. Like it's loading, it, it refreshes in, and you're just marking pieces. up your you're just marking up your components with attributes that wire them to back end calls yeah. and then refresh data over the web, right? Like that's all it's that's all I, it's, I say I mean, it's all it's doing. Not to be dismissive, but yeah. like it the idea is that simple that you know Yeah, rather okay. than passing rather than you know passing a you know a JSON object, you know, I my back end has to do its logic, build the JSON object, pass it to the front. The front then accepts the JSON object parses it, does whatever it needs to do to then turn around and display things. You're building the app twice. Instead of having to do that, the back end just simply sends HTML to the front. It's server server rendered it's server components rendered. that get replaced by the front end framework for you based on the attributes. Yeah. I mean right. it makes we talked about it before. It we makes a lot of before. sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I've and now having worked on it in a you know in in a you know pet project kind of way. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm more sold. It's super cool. I see, I see zero reason, zero reason to go back to React Redux and Vue.js. Like, they're, can I take us into the weed? Can I, can I hop on my lawnmower and take yeah, us straight into the weeds? Yeah, go ahead. What about a case where, what about a case where I have a collection of items and I want to allow the user to drag to reorder them? Because that in a lot of other frameworks, there would typically be uh, there would typically be barriers to this. They would it would not be it would not feel very clean to do something like that. So let's say I have a list of of images with titles or a list of books. I don't it's right. a book wish list. How's that? Okay. Right. And I want I want the user to be able to click and drag to reorder those and have that order state persisted by the underlying data model on the server side. Is that that the kind of thing that this could solve for, or would you have to go and write some supplementary? Uh, this, like I'm this talking is about where, the more, because I, I know you're talking about more like replacing not just button clicks and form elements, but that's a large majority a of what we do with web development. It. That's a sure. huge portion of it. Yeah. There are other interactions that have come to be expected or standard that typically I wouldn't expect something like this to handle. Like they would have to say, okay, well you go off and you create your own endpoint and do it the old fashioned way. Is that kind of the case here? Or does it, is so, it more than just sort of that building forms and divs? It's definitely more than the building forms and divs. They actually have this, um, I forget the term, progressive implementation. Out of the box, it does a lot and makes things very snappy looking. If you want to do some more sophisticated stuff, you can start to sprinkle these custom turbo tags around and you start to get some of what you're talking about. I have this form. It's inside a turbo tag. When I click it, that whole form goes away and then the result appears. Think like the edit in place kind of thing. You have a yeah. record, you hit the edit button and now you get yeah. the edit right where it's okay. So that's what the turbo uh, frames would do. You know, I have this frame. And when I do a thing inside the frame, that frame changes to whatever I needed to change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's essentially that's data like, bound over the API and then the rendered response gets replaced with the content, right? Right. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, think about it. It's, it's kind of like the original promise of iframes without all of the baggage 
of of iframes is kind of what turbo frames does woof that's a stretched example but i follow it you is, it is it is the like, yeah, iframes are woof for sure hang on i gotta i gotta the onion on my belt is uh i gotta move <laughs> so the then there's the streams and turbo streams is the same idea as frames but now i click a button and i can change one or more components on that page and they don't have to be nested inside of a frame. Right. Where, so now it's like, okay, I click this button and now like I, you know, I refresh this thing and over and, and, and now you're not dealing yeah. with the turbo frames at all. Um, that now you're getting into more of the dynamics, like what you're talking about, but to do the thing that you're talking about with like a drag and drop, you would have an actual JavaScript component to do that. There is a, there is a website portion of this. You click and hold the thing sort of animates and lifts up and you move it around and things like that. To do that, that's what the stimulus thing does. And that is stimulus is controller logic attached to individual uh, DOM elements, individual tags. And so you can set up a controller that will automatically fire when a given, um, given ID or given class is rendered. And then okay. everything that, and then now you're scoped sort of inside of that element and you can do whatever the heck you want inside that element or outside of it. It's but all of this, but all of the state bound to that element then would get sent back over then, the API. Right. Okay. And then you could, gotcha. and then you also have in the, there's also a syntax using stimulus where you can actually attach controller actions to DOM elements in the tag using the data. Action. Gotcha. So, so, okay. So when I click this, run this JavaScript. And so you get some of that on-click stuff. What I here, Here's the best way to describe it. When I first got started, because I, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of jQuery. jQuery was my, was my go-to. I love jQuery. Because um, it was just so easy. I just set it up. It's got all these, these, these shortcut methods. Perfect. Okay. When I got... I, it, it takes a lot of flack, but kids sit down and listen. jQuery was the shit when <laughs> and, that and, came out. It was it was actually a it was a revolutionary way to manage DOM content. There's no it's difficult to under uh, to oversell what jQuery. Of course, we look back at it now and we're like, ooh, but jQuery was legitimately to bomb. And that's how we would have said it back in the days of yore. Uh, it's tough to tough to oversell what that was for us in that day. It was amazeballs. I, and I remember watching videos from the from the the jQuery creator doing all of his stuff, and like that, that was it was it was big time for me. The fact the way jQuery simplified uh, AJAX asynchronous requests. We don't even call them AJAX requests anymore. Um, uh, for the, for a lot of people, it was just the way that you had to like think less about IE. Yeah, there like was, the, compa there was the that. compatibility issues the compatibility. that it solved was the killer app for a lot of people. But yeah, then Ajax was a big piece of it too. Ajax was anyway, a big I'm piece. sorry, you were on a whole thing, and I just it's railroaded okay. you as I'm. No, more. no, it's it's actually it's good context because jQuery is a standardized library. It doesn't have this sense of scope of controllers connecting to specific DOM objects, and you know that. No, focus. you just had your callback you, pyramid of doom everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You would load a page. It would load it the jQuery great. library, and then you would have a custom JavaScript for that page. And it would have, okay, you're going to watch this button. And then when this, you click this button, then this happens. And you had to custom wire all of that, all of that stuff. But it, I mean, it ended up getting you, you ended up having it, a, a lot of it everywhere, but it got the job done. It was pretty easy. So move into stimulus and doing this. Shut up, Siri. Stupid phone. Sorry. Um, I said, Siri. wait a minute. It's an Android. Did you say Siri? Yeah, okay. I said Siri right. for the audience's benefit. Shut up, Google woman. I don't Cortana, I don't. buy 10,000 AAA batteries. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not Android. Cortana's not Android. I, God, I what a bastardization. What a horrible bastardization of a great video game character. Name your search. Tana, so stupid. Just the dumbest name. So <laughs> dumb. Anyway, the uh, so I, I got started with stimulus and stimulus controllers and things like that. And I would start to, okay, I'm inside this controller. I've connected to this thing. Now I got to have it do X, Y, Z. And I would start to think, hmm, this would be really easy if I had the jQuery library because I could just da, 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 da. But then I was like, well, hold on a second. How much is it? Is it? 
it might be easy. Is it necessary? And so I actually, I held off and I went, okay, I'm going to do this plain Jane first, like just raw JavaScript. And because of, because of the narrow focus of what I'm doing, like I'm inside this object and doing this thing with it here, the need to do all of the, the jumping that you had to do with jQuery and the fact that ECMAScript, you know, it has become a lot better in the recent versions. I didn't have to, I didn't need it. Like, I well, because the browser's implementations are much less browser, divergent. Browser implementations are much less divergent. The, the methods, the functions that you need to call to actually get things and do things to them, there's more of those methods. They're more well-defined. Like the ECMAScript standard has learned from, from all the other things. So, so there's some of that, but then there's also the fact that stimulus makes turning these things into piecemeal little tidbits very, very easy. And so I don't have to write a lot because I'm, you know, because I already know, I already have the object. I already know where I'm going with it. I, I have set up and tear down and I, and I have a list of, you know, the IDs and, and things like that. I can store some state if I need to. And that's all just sort of baked in and I, and I don't need to do anything. And so I, I thought, you know, I was thinking, oh, I can use jQuery on top of that. You, you don't need it because it's just super simple and straightforward and um, you don't have to write a lot of JavaScript with it, which again, there's also a thing, thing. There's also a thing like picking up a new, even a new language, but a new framework or library, especially where it represents not just like, not just an alternate way of doing things, although I guess that applies as well, but really meant to be like an, an evolutionary improvement in the way things are done. I find mm -hmm. myself, I get really, um, I, I, I can really buy into the way that a particular language framework library does things. Like I get the, 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 um, the idioms, right. Uh, of, yeah, the conventions, of the, thing. the conventions. And then you try something new, something new comes along and you're like, okay, well, uh, I have a problem to solve. I'm going to solve it the way I know how to solve it. Like, for me, it actually takes a little bit of work to break the habit and oh, think, yeah. hey, oh, yeah. I in this case, I have a knee-jerk reaction to the way that I solve this problem. Hang on. That may no longer be appropriate. That may no longer be idiomatic with this new set of technology. I have to go do the painful thing, stop and learn for a while, and figure out whether there is a better prescribed way in this new methodology to get this thing done. Um, and sometimes it results in, well, yeah, I just need three lines of JavaScript. There's like plain JavaScript is, is fine here. Mm -hmm. um, and then other times it's like, oh, the fact that I think I need to go do something this way is a smell that I'm not using the framework the right way at some other layer. And right. if, I had, if I had gotten the idioms and if I had really grokked what they were trying to do with this, I wouldn't be in a position where I was presented with a problem where I thought like I wanted to go and solve something a different way, right? And so that to me... That's one of the learning the new syntax, learning the new rules like that. That's easy to me, unlearning all of the other stuff and understanding kind of like kind of the vibe of, of mm -hmm. the new the new stack. That for me is actually the most challenging part of, of like really leaning into something like that. I don't know if you have a similar experience. I, I do. I th um, the um, hmm. Uh, a lot of different ways. Because to me, like pick, picking it up, like okay, you read it, you understand it, you can go do it. That's not like it's, if you can read, you can code. I don't like that. That to me, picking the new thing up. I think for a lot of us, that's not the, the it's not even a thought for us. It's like breaking yourself of the old, what are not necessarily bad habits, but go different. against in either a subtle or obvious way. Go against the idioms of the new paradigm. Um, that. That to me, it, it takes conscious effort for me still to this day to, to, to get over that sometimes. There's, okay, so you're definitely, yes, there's the, there's the unlearning part of this, but there's also, I think, an inevitability to implement. <laughs> Thanos. No, seriously, an inevitability to, to running your head against a wall as you learn the new thing. So mm -hmm. I'll take this Hotwire thing, for example. Um, I have been... And Hotwire is actually a perfect example for this because Hotwire is developed by the Rails folks. I've been a Rails developer forever. I love writing in Ruby. I love writing Rails. It makes life super duper easy and straightforward. 
And Hotwire was built by those people. They have a native implementation of it in the latest versions of Rails. It's just baked in. It's just there and it just works. And even with all of that over, like this Venn diagram overlap is not quite a circle, but it's pretty close, right? There's a lot there. And yet you can look at the commit history in my, in my night's weekends project here of me bashing my head against things in ways that were, you know, building it in ways that were not intended. So a perfect example. So turbo and the documentation, first of all, the documentation around Hotwire is like, eh, it still needs to come along. They've got lots around the JavaScript. They don't have enough around the Rails portions of it or implementation examples. And so you, you do a lot of scrambling. Um, with when when you're when you're setting when you're setting up uh, the difference between frames, turbo frames and turbo streams. There's turbo drive, turbo frames, turbo streams. They're three different things. They're all sort of interrelated. And what the hell's the difference? And when do I use which? You know, mm-hmm. like I, I got hung up on that a dozen different ways. And I actually just, it was funny when I realized I, I thought I needed sh- streams, which is the most complex. That's when you click a button and I want different things on different parts of the page to do whatever wizardry. Um, that's the most advanced one. But the frames is pretty easy. You just add the tag and then the submit action on the form is targeted at that frame by default. And it'll just replace that frame with whatever result you want. And so you just build an HTML response and, it, you know, don't include any layout, just include that one section and it'll just replace it. Like it just, it just sort yeah. of works. I thought I needed to do streams for this action I was doing. I, I, was, I just kept banging my head, banging my head, banging my head. And I finally figured out what I needed to do. And I went back through my code and I had one of those catharsis Zen moments where I got uh. to go through the code and rip out all this custom crap, wrong crap that I had. And I'm using all these defaults and my code is shorter and it actually works and it actually works better than the convoluted cockamimi scheme that I thought I needed Mm -hmm. to do. And I just, for some, so you're right. There's the unlearning of the paradigms, but when you're learning a new thing, I don't think you get away from all right, let me just smash this thing with a hammer for a little bit and just kind of see what happens. Like, I, I don't think you, I, I, I think it's, a, I think it's both is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably a, it's probably a bit of both. Um, all right. One more piece of news uh, related to uh, actually the, the iPhone. iPhone. No, it's not the damn iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about this. Frank, come on. <laughs> Let's talk about iPhones. Yeah. <sighs> Also from the, also from the, from DHH and, and, and my, my buddies at 37 signals, they don't know who the hell I am from Adam, but they're my buddies anyway. Good friends. You guys go way back. Uh, Come on, don't don't undersell yourself. (laughs) (laughs) They've released a new tool for the first time since the Hotwire stuff. They have a new thing out called Kamal. Kamal is a deployment tool for, uh, pushing out web applications on any framework. And so they used this. Uh, this was built as part of their uh, repatriation out of cloud uh, development, out of AWS and mm-hmm. Azure, back to their colos. And there's a, he's got a whole write-up about, uh, multiple write-ups actually, about why you should use cloud versus colos and, you know, you know you know, why one is better than the other, especially in terms of long-term cost and support and things like that. I'm not going to go into that. That's a whole, we could talk for an hour. Maybe we'll do that next week because that's a really cool conversation. Um, but they they built, the, in, in the process of them pulling their crap out of AWS and going back to Colos, they built this tool. This tool is designed to do basically one thing. It is a, uh, it SSHs into the boxes that you give it with the with the creds that you provide it. And then it deploys a Docker container and turns on the Docker container. Now, mm-hmm. that sounds very, very simple. And, and it is. There's all sorts of uh, awesome sophistication and optimization that they have in there. For example, they auto handle all the layers of the Docker container for you so that redeploys, if nothing has changed on a given layer, happens really fast. They shrink the images. 
it, inter it interfaces with the uh, Docker hub, but you can use other registries if you want to. Um, it's built in a very, these are Ruby guys. It's built in a very similar style to Capistrano. If you ever used Capistrano for yeah. deployment, it's a YAML file with, you know, some, some Ruby and bash scripting on the back end to make Capistrano it go. Capistrano was never, I always wanted it to be more than it was. It never yeah. quite like, I agree. It's a great idea and it, it had promise and I just, it never actually worked wonderfully for right. me. I don't know. It was, we were at Capistrano and uh, what was the other one that I, uh, oh man, this is going to bug me because I didn't like Capistrano either. And I ended up using something else that I really liked and it was solving the same kind of problem. Um, I this is almost 10 years ago. Now, it's, I oh, it's been completely. at least, ten, it's, and it's been at least 10 years. And I even moved away from that. And I did, when I did Docker containers, the, those deployment, it was an awkward development inter, it was an intermediary time in our industry's advancement. So, you know, yeah. like I'm not going to hold it against Capistrano, but what I liked about Capistrano and I'm sure you liked about it too, was the elegant simplicity of the YAML deployment file. Here's all the things you need to know. Like it's just, mm -hmm. it's just right there. You commit that to code, you uh -huh. can track that, and then you can run the deployment with a one-click push button. I now think we, this is something. This is something a lot of shops wind up inventing. Uh, in the some fact, way or another, yeah. Like this is the first time I've heard of of Kamal. I'll take a look at it. Uh, it would be nice if they've sort of done it in like a packaged, repeatable way with some yes. ergonomics attached to it. Like yes. that's that's even though like yeah, we've all built this, and I think we probably all have built this. Uh, might be nice to have like a standard tool so we don't have to maintain something like that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I mean cuz I've done I've done various iterations of this over the years whether it's deploying uh heaven forbid raw ruby uh applications <laughs> um uh or rails apps um all the way up to like orchestrated containers without like k8s uh or something. Yeah. Um and it's you know I've used raw shell we've used uh what salt stack and salt puppet stack, to get it done, done puppet use, yep uh what, what's ansible. the um ansible what's that i've never used ansible no or no. chef uh myself i've i've played around them i've never deployed anything with them <laughs> to production poor poor um, chef rest in peace chef chef got bought and now it's just a bastard shadow of itself former self anyway yeah, what were you thinking no of? what was uh the tool from um What's the name of that? Uh, the, we talked about the shop the other week. They changed the license. Everybody got pissed off. They're the vault. Oh, Hashi Terraform. Um, Think about her Terraform. No, no, not Terraform. Uh, That's the one that we're talking about. The license. No, not Terraform. For. No, 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 not it, one of their other things. It wasn't Terraform. It let you. It was an abstraction layer that let you build like Terraform or containers or VMs. Um, Mm. Packer, Packer. Oh, Packer. What I was oh, thinking okay. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that layer. Um, it's supposed to be like the layer above that. Yeah. Yeah. Packer. Uh, I, I, I know. Some things people. with Packer were yeah. like, okay, so we're going to create, uh, we're going to create Packer configurations using salt for configuration. And that's going to output vagrant VMs for local development machines and Docker images for production servers yeah. based on the same what kind of black sorcery you have to do to pull that <laughs> yeah. off well is like I'm I feel like I I feel like the UN should be after me at this point we, for some <laughs> of the things I did with that stuff. It is I mean fortunately the the industry I talked about uh, you know mentioned the maturity with the Capistrano we reached a point now where it's pretty much containers it's it, everything is docker like you can you can run containers locally although you don't have to depending on your dev setup but you can dev in containers um, I, do. I think there's an argument to be made that for a lot of things, if you can, you should. Uh, yeah, there are a lot sure. of advantages to doing it that way for sure. And by simplifying and centralizing on that one technology, all this other deployment crap goes away. Because and that's, yeah, yeah. that well, is what, what, what is Capistrano? What was Capistrano for? It was basically basically built to be able to try to configure a Rails application in it, place. And it's most what of it did. that goes yeah. away. Most of that melts away when you're using containers. So it's good tech, good step technology. Yeah, it's stepwise technology. Uh, this Kamal thing is very, it's Capistrano-like in its implementation, but its actual desired output is much more defined. SSH mm -hmm. to a box, put a, put a Docker container there, run the container. Um, We'll put the we'll put the links in the show notes. There's a demo right on the home page, and uh, from DHH he and he 
showcases how he actually goes into a, a cloud provisioner and shows how fast you can do it. He actually just turns them on, takes the IPs, copy, paste them into the config, clicks deploy, and like they're just up and out. It's it's mm-hmm. really, really simple and straightforward. Um, and it also, I, I think it points to something that you're sort of alluding there, like good app development cleanliness. Just yeah. build Docker containers. Yeah. If you just build Docker containers, you can use this tool and just deploy anywhere. Now, his whole angle with this tool was how they used it to redeploy their stuff um, from the cloud to their colos because it's just SSH, which is just a, and just an IP address. Doesn't matter if your box is in AWS EC2. It doesn't matter if it's a bare metal server or a VM or whatever. Yeah. You, put, you just give it whatever. Yeah. And so what they were using, the tool, they had the one configuration file for their entire application. And as they migrated pieces, what they were able to do was just simply effectively change the IP address. Okay, I was deploying this in the AWS space. Now for this deployment, we're going to change the IP address. It's now in our colo, and now it's going to run over there. Some DNS changes, and we're done. And that's how they slowly sort of migrated out. Mm. So they were using this tool as like a a centralized hub or hinge to swing from A to B. That's at a very high level. That's a I, I'm very sim- much simplifying the the na- the notion of a, of a of a cloud migration or demigration, um, but the tool itself is really straightforward. It's got some really nice built-in benefits, um, and it just like all the things they do, convention over configuration. Just do it the way that they do it, and you've got you know a nice clean way to push your applications out and. Um, it's got some good hooks for things like build processes and, you know, mm-hmm. verifying linters and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, super do cool. you feel do you, this? So is this your pick? Is Kamal your, your pick for the day? Because yeah, it feels like it should be a pick. It was definitely, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, what, is, what is this? Kamal-deploy.org. Go, go check that out. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. It feels like I... I feel terrible for anybody just getting started out in 2023. How do you, how do you mean? (laughs) Because like, and it's not, it's not like a, not like a get off my lawn thing. It's like, okay, I want to make a website. We'll go learn HTML and then put it on a server somewhere. Right. Oh, I want to, I want to, I want to have a clock on my website. Well, go put this JavaScript thing in your site and then it will work. Uh, well, I want to have like a PHP. Well, go find a PHP host and then start scripting your brains out. Now it's like, oh, I want to build a website. Well, first you got to deploy a Kubernetes, uh, get your helm (laughs) charts. And, and then, you know, like there's so much, like think about all, like if you or I went and sat down right now, clicked file new. We were going to start a comp. We're going to start a company again, you and I, right? Okay. And we're just going to sit down. We're going to click file new and build this thing from the ground up. Think about the what combined forty years worth of experience that goes into our selection when we say we know what problems we are going to have to solve. Mm-hmm. We know what we know and why they get us into trouble. We know how to look for solutions to those problems. We know how to vet viable solutions against one another to choose the right one for our use case. We know when it's appropriate to go and build that piece for ourselves versus go to Google and look for one that exists. We, like all of the decision from, from formatting terminal output for your yarn builds down to Postgres optimization up to CPU architecture. I mean, all of the, think about all <laughs> of the tooling and layers of software that exist that didn't 20 years ago. Um, there is such like, there is so much more to keep in your head as a new, it, for anybody, Frank, just for anybody, there is so much more to keep in your head now. I wonder whether it's easier or harder to actually get started. I think that like, is it it easier? Is it harder? And, and are you better or worse off for there? Is it just different? And I, I suspect that's probably the case that it's just different because this is not a new problem for you and I, this is a problem that all technology has wreaked against the human psyche for eons untold. Right. So it, the ultimate answer is of course, it's just different, but I'm still curious, like, 
You know I what think, I mean? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. You're definitely old man. Get off my lawn with this because I, like, I, oh, do, you I can't just, you a, can't just, you can't just link jQuery in a, in a, in your head tag. You have to use the CDN. Well, you got to prepackage it with Bower and you yeah. got to do it like it's, it's layers upon layers for all of these things. Yeah. I mean, if you, and if you, <laughs> you go back, uh, you know, several years is like, oh, you can't just write HTML. You got to write some JavaScript and, you know, oh, you can't just write HTML. You got to write some CSS. So I, I think that the, I think that the problem shifts because the layers become, the layers underneath become more solid. And so you're able to stand on that. And, but there's, there's always that new and that unpredictable above. And so I think there's, there's some of that. But the layers, the problem that the layers become thinner and more opaque, right? Because yeah. over time, Within those layers, specialization begins to happen, and so you get you get more layers, but each of them becomes so to your point, like solid, like real substrate. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's it's just a it's a it's a very different environment, and I yeah, I, I I agree, but I think that I mean even all the examples that you gave. I mean, you can do all those without all of those layers. You can just go put a static HTML page up there. You can you still just, can. Yeah, that's, you can that's just very true. throw some JavaScript up there. You can just throw a little bit of PHP. All you of could the, just plant your own cornfield. You right? could like, right. I mean, you can go as low as you as low as you want yeah. to, and you don't need those pieces if you want to do. The thing is, when you get into the, I think it's the orchestration, the automation, the magic. Anytime you anytime you hear the word automatic or automagical or things like that. There's a layer of stuff going on under the hood that the that you savvy, don't understand <laughs> that the savvy technologist should understand yeah. at least at a bare minimum before implementing it. I, it's kind of like we, you know, we talk about those, these geniuses that would write Udemy courses and like learn how to do rail sites without knowing how to write Ruby. What? Yeah. No, you, you yeah. understand shut your mouth. Yeah. Shut your mouth. Like you've got to understand some basics. And I think a lot of those things fall into that, into that category. And the trap that people fall into is they think that they can just rely on the auto magical nature of them, but then a problem comes up and they have no point of reference for, for how to solve it. And so it's very much like if you don't understand how, you know, uh, if you don't understand some basic plumbing and how a toilet works, your ability to fix a toilet when it explodes or leaks or whatever you're kind of going to be SOL and you're either going to need to figure answer those baseline questions or hire someone who, who does phone get a it. friend. So, yeah. so I, so no, I don't think you're wrong, but you also don't, uh, you don't need those layers. And so I, I think you can get away with, I, I think you can get away with, without them. I don't think you need to do that, I guess. That's, yeah, kind of, that's probably right. Yeah, that's probably right. But it's, but I'm, but you're, but it's a good point. And you, yeah, you definitely had some, some old man show in there. <laughs> How do these kids do this these days? Well, when I was, I oh, didn't I have know. any of this crap. <laughs> man. All right. So how, who are the other old men out there in the audience <laughs> and women like us? We'd love to hear your feedback on this stuff. Uh, feedback at refactor.work. Um, if you want to check out the show notes that we talked about, we'll have some links today, some news articles, uh, some documentation for some cool stuff. Uh, you can go check that out at our website, uh, refactored.work is where you'll find all of that. You can also listen to the show there too. And if you want to hear some musings from me, I should have an article up, a little thing up here in the next couple, in the next week or so. You can check that out at hotcoles, K-O-E-H-L-S.com. And if you want to check out Chris's stuff, you can check him out at chris.tonkinson.com. And this has been episode 115 of the Refactor podcast recorded on... Gosh, what date is it? September 22nd, 2023. Where the heck is this year going? Always a pleasure, buddy. See you, Frank. See you, man.